0: Johnny Nelson, boxing legend and the longest reigning cruiserweight world champion of all time, exclusively sharing his untold secrets of getting to the top and maintaining excellence to stay there, as well as his uncut story from rock bottom to superstardom, from his deepest and darkest thoughts with zero self-worth to the critical steps that he took to turn his life around and change his life forever. Take a look behind the scenes when the gloves are off and identify the key signs of a quitter. The right coach can take you from total self-destruction to being the greatest in the world, creating a spark that will live for an eternity. Comment your favorite moments, hit subscribe now, and set that notification bell. Let's do this.
1: Brendan always said to me, Boxing at its worst is a dirty, rotten prostituting game. This and Brendan it, Ingle, Brennan yeah. Brendan Ingle. My old coach, trainer, mentor, good, good man. Uh, he always said boxing at its worst is a dirty, rotten prostituting game. At its best, it's the sweetest science you'll ever come across. Because it's 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 what happens in that ring. Is, is again, that transferable skill, is how you conduct your life, how you can control your life, how you, how you as an individual, have to mentally be strong enough to try not think out smart, out move, at manoeuvre the person that's trying to do the same to you. Uh, and and at times when the fight's hard, you're tucking in, it's either fight or flight, you're either gonna go down, or you're gonna stand up and get stuck into it. You're gonna try and be crafty, and, and play, old man fighters will make, make a mistake and, and pop them off. It's always thinking it, when people watch it, it's not just two people stood in the ring hitting each other. There's so much more going on. There's a guy in our gym called John Buster Keaton. And he used him as a, uh, well that's it, Buster, Buster's his nickname, his boxing name. And he always used him as a sparring partner when it came to my fights because he was, he was lethal. He just head down, slinging the shots in. And so he was proper like a, a train. And like after we t- he'd like his eyes would go like a shark. He's just like we don't know each other. And I'm like Buster, what are you doing? You're trying to kill me. And he said, I find it easier not to think about what I'm doing by uh, just get my head down, get stuck in. What you do, I, it exhausts me. I don't know because mentally, if you're mentally exhausted, physically you're done. Um, and and so it's just it's the art of boxing is so underrated. It's so. Um, people just don't get. They don't actually get how hard it is, and how much commitment you have to put in for so much for so little reward.
0: Tacticians at the top. I mean, because you, you've got all of that mental processing happening in split seconds. Yeah. And it's control of mental. Con- and, yeah. Control the, the, the other thing
1: is this. Especially when all fighters want to be champion. Do want to be the best? Be the best. And so you think that's the hardest battle to becoming champion. Well, it actually isn't. And I've been a zero. Turning what's the hardest to a, champion? Uh, what's, what's the hardest battle? The hardest battle is staying champion, because what happens is when you're a fighter and you want to be a champion, you've got a name, you've got a goal, you're a hunter's mentality. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. There might be a champion that's there thinking, and you'll be. I might be thinking, that's this is how I'd beat him, and you'd have years to prepare for this fighter that's a, ahead of you that becomes champion eventually. But once you become champion. That drive to reach the top of the mountain because you're already there, now changes. So from being the hunter, you're the hunted. So are you still gonna get up at stupid o'clock in the morning when you've reached the top of the mountain? When you've made a bit of dough, when you when you've when you've accomplished your dreams dreams to be world champion. Now a true champion, the true responsibility of a champion is staying champion. But most fighters when they win a world title, they'll probably have two, one or two defenses and lose. Because their drive, their mindset has changed mm-hmm. and, it, and it's something they're not used to. The fighters that have the titles and keep the titles and keep winning and winning and winning and to travel all over the world to fight, they're the ones that that are smart enough to devise a plan to beat you when you've had years to devise a plan to beat me. And so and that's the responsibility of a champion.
0: So how do you stay on top? Because you're the, the longest reigning cruiserweight champion of all time yeah world champion of all time what is the key to staying on top
1: to make stay hungry and to stay hungry um i always thought boxing was you know with a lot of fighters boxing is their life boxing's a part of my life money's never been my god and brendan always made sure he's instilled in his all you know money you, there's a lot of wealthy sad people out there so your wealth it, it could be family that's my wealth my wealth could be 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 um, the the things that that I accomplish for me, that's my wealth. So what I've got in the bank is not my wealth. You know what car I drive is not my wealth. What house I'm in is not my wealth. So once you understand what truly makes you happy, what your drive is, you'll always strive for that. But you can you can have all the money in the world, and you'll go on one holiday, two holidays, three holidays, four holidays. You'll take your mates on holiday. You'll buy all the clothes and jewels you want. You'll buy all the cars you want, and be, live in a big posh house. And people think, once I've got that, I just want to be rich. I always say to people, what will make you happy? Being rich makes life a little easier, but what truly makes you happy? So once you can identify what truly makes you happy, that's when you start enjoying life. And most people think their goal is to get a million quid in the bank. And it's easy if you're listening to this saying, it's all right if you've got it. But trust me, it's not about money. Wealth comes in all shapes and sizes. And wealth, you know, it's not what, 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 ching ching's in the bank. That's, that's not what it's about. You know, you, I, know so I know some poor, happy people. And so it depends on what's important to you in your life. It's quite good, quite good
0: that though. Hungry, happy, mm-hmm. healthy. There's a good book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah, Dale Carnegie. Really, yeah. You know, the key to success or happiness in life is developing real, meaningful, long lasting relationships with the most important people in your life. Yeah so you say stay the, the key to staying on top is to stay hungry and happy yeah how do you stay hungry then
1: you stay hungry because you think why did i do this in the first place what was why would i do this why do i put myself through this and you've got to understand from the day one when you started you fight you've got to be a bit crazy to fight you fight because you want to fight you want to be the best you want to prove something to you everybody else is a, is a byproduct so therefore all of a sudden you know people get mixed up they want to they want to be you know headline news they want to be the most famous one being famous is like being in an open prison because you can't have a bad day walking down the street or or or, or they having an argument with your with, with your partner or or you can't do the normal things what normal people do because all, someone's always coming up to you saying oh i know you so all the thing, all of a sudden you feel like a, a goldfish that's like an open prison so, to me, I think to stay hungry, you've got to think to yourself, what truly makes me happy? What do I want? Now to me, it's about, I know from my humble start as, as a fighter, 13 amateur fights, only winning three, losing my first three professional fights, everybody writing me saying, you've got no chance. I knew I was a very shy, nervous individual. And so I always look back, and this is what kept me hungry. I always look back on that shy individual, that nervous individual, the guy that doubted, you know, his own shadow. And I look at the guy today that's achieved what what he's achieved. And that gives me satisfaction because I know I've grown. And I've grown publicly because when I've boxed great, I've had a a slap on the back. When I've boxed bad, I've had had abuse. And people say, you're never going to do anything. You know, good, Mm. you can't fight. You know, so you've got to... You've got to accept them both in the same breath because if you're always winning and always on top, you know the only way you're going to get wisdom is going through experiences. But those experiences have got to be good and bad to get wisdom because otherwise then you understand. And so to do that, when you're coming through and you're losing, you're winning, you're drawing and people are doubting you, you're doubting yourself, then in that you then make it about you. You think, I want this for me because if I carry on this way all the things that people say about you are true so so that's my, my inner battle you've got to create a fire inside you that works for you that's that's my fire there Don't was, a, else's.
0: There was a, um, a psychologist he worked in uh, Premier League football called Bill Bezik mm. and he talks about the the necessity of having fire in your belly and ice in your head—you've mm-hmm. got to be ice cool Without thinking, down. but you've got to have that fire determination. Well, it's, it's,
1: it's just—you've got to be able to put your emotions in a box. You've got to be selfish. How do you, you got put to your s- emotions in a box? You, be, because you, you, you be, be factual. What do I want? How do I want to get it? What are the distractions? Now, I could say to you, right, this is life between. You and the, 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 the studio over there, this is live. And so to get there, you're gonna trip over that, you're gonna be distracted. Yeah. So let's compare it to life. So from there, yeah, you're gonna come through, you think, I've got to get a job, I've got to earn money, I've got to have a relationship, I've I've got to have all these and family, and you're dealing with all these things that are distracting you from your true goal at the end. And so so therefore I'm not saying ignore them I'm saying nope that's what I'm concentrating on because at the end of the day you're going to be by yourself but you've got to be able to put things into a compartment that's my priority life compartment job compartment relationships compartment you've got to be able to think that is my focus and if you keep that your goal you will get there eventually but he's going to trip up a lot of times you know putting your emotions in a box
0: keeping that tunnel vision on the goal is that part of the key to controlling emotions then? without a doubt
1: putting it in a box yeah put it in a box it's hard. It's hard. You know what? Usually, when I see, if I got, if I see people crying, I want to cry. But and, and that's are you, just, are you a softie? Yeah, I am. Yeah, but I want to cry. So I just think to myself, why? Come, you, you've got, you've got to be able to, 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 to put it into a box. If you have a goal, if you want to achieve, if you really want it enough, you'll be able to do it. The,
0: the thing I like about the box analogy is it contains it. Mm. Because emotions can get out of control really quick, can not they? Yeah. Nine, 1902, as a man think of, James Allen says, the only strength, it's not about muscles, yeah. the only strength that exists is self-control.
1: Without a doubt.
0: Once you can control yourself, you're strong.
1: As humans, and you, you, and you don't have to be a sportsman, or a professional sportsman or woman, if you think to yourself how... We, we spend all our time going to the gym, mm. trying to keep ourselves in good, going for a walk, do everything. So we train our body. How often do we train our mind? How do you train your mind? How do you put your mind through that that trickery? How do you put your mind through that exercise? Now to train your mind, because without your mind, without the strength of mind, whatever you do to the body, if you don't believe in it, it doesn't make any difference. So you've got to train your mind. You've got to keep doing exercises, putting putting your mind through the same amount of stress and exercise you would your body. When I used to box. And when I'd be in gym, we'd have music playing and everything. once I understood and became champion, I also understood that mind is everything. Because I was very doubtful of myself. So once the penny dropped, I knew who I was. I look at old fights myself and I want to reach in the screen and slap myself. Come on, Johnny, I know what you're doing there. But then I know that when you're when you're when you when you when you're training, when you're fighting, I used to go I'd go run in the morning. Uh and in, in between fights I'd have the earphones on. So you put the earphones on to distract yourself from, you run a little bit further. And people listening to this that go in the gym, they might train with earphones on, so they've got music, they've got a pace, so they'll run, they'll train, they'll push, they'll they'll do everything hard and, and last a little bit longer. And you try that same exercise, that same hour, that same routine, without the earphones in, and it's harder because you are hearing your body. Your body's you're hearing the aches and pains, you're hearing that doubt in your brain saying, I'm knackered here. You know, I'll, I'll finish after this. I'll only do eight instead of ten, and and so you've got to have that argument in your head. Music lifts you. Yeah, music lifts you. But what I'm saying is, you've got to, you've got to be able to be disciplined to listen to the noise, listen to the the doubt, listen to your body, and then once you can control that, and th- and win that battle, you win that battle with yourself. Then the, then when you get into fight, because remember, you will train to do a a, a, a sport. With your earphones in, then all of a sudden you're doing you you you're going to fight. You ain't got no earphones in. Something's different. Why am I tired? I'd run without earphones. Is it any different though, if you're boxing or if you're in business? Yes. No, same, no, it's, there's is, no difference at all. Simple. I always say you've got to want it enough, and if you want it enough, you will find a way, and understand what it takes. Now you understand the little chinks you, you little Achilles heels you have in regards to not focusing on what needs to be focused on by distracting yourself of having a cup of tea or or dealing with somebody else's problems you know and, and so it distracts you just so you can you know you can you can do these things if you can concentrate thousand percent on what you're doing and you know what you want you will achieve things higher than what your imagination could ever take you and you and if you're working your body's working with you as well the world's your oyster you said it maybe
0: five, ten minutes ago that you were a shy and nervous mm. young man, yeah? Yeah. How did you get out of that? Because some of the listeners on this might be shy and nervous people yeah. themselves. How did
1: how did you evolve and what were the keys to overcoming that? We all need a Brendan. Uh, Brendan Ingle, uh, MBE, uh, God rest his soul. He's passed away now. A very good man. A good man. And, and I found his acts selfless uh, in regards to and and you, you know about the champions he created mm. Prince Nassim, Hamid, myself Helga, amazing fighters he created they were the tip of the iceberg the people he helped the young men, young women to become better 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 adults um, the people he helped how he helped them was he, he made them think he always said schools are, are there to make you remember you know the skill is actually being able to think I want to be able to think on, on my feet yeah you know you go to school they're not teaching you life skills they're not teaching you skills to deal with individuals you know they're teaching you to remember math history mm-hmm. geography but when you're open up you're like oh my god what am I doing now Brennan taught me to think and, and when I first started how did he do that because he kept talking to me he kept telling me about Marcus Aurelius even Adolf Hitler, and people great yeah. leaders and warmongers and he just kept saying to me the only difference between them and you is they've done it and you haven't they're nothing special they're only human
0: but look, just a second let's just capture that for every listener right now the only difference between them and you is they've done it yeah and you can do it as well yeah
1: and that's it And if you they, were get... in your, they were in your seat at yeah. one point yeah and if you get somebody that's daily telling you, st- talking to you about, uh, about things like that, uh, then eventually you're going to start believing yourself because, on the whole, when I first started fighting, I was like the laughing stock of the gym. I'd be in the gym and people would say, oh my God, what's this kid, he's rubbish. Guy's that big. About five foot would be beating me up And because I was such a nervous kid. But the problem was, once I got older, I understood there was a difference between nerves and fear. And I wasn't—I I, I wasn't scared when people said Johnny Nelson's a coward. I was nervous, but I just—I always thought I never understood the difference until, I think, my eureka moment was when I was sparring with the world light heavyweight champion in Lyon, in France, and um, and I'd been out there three months. I must have spent a good few years over in Europe uh, as a sparring partner. And um, and i beat this sparring partner up in the gym, daily. I'm like, he's the world champion. I'm thinking, this can't be right here. And I can remember I came out one day and there was a lovely stretch white limousine outside and a beautiful woman sat in the front. I'd been there three months and I smiled and she smiled back and I heard a voice behind me shout, see you tomorrow Johnny. And I turned round and it was Fabrice, the guy had been the world champion. And he jumped in the car with his wife. I didn't realize that, and the chauffeur driven car and drove off. It started to rain, I'm stood on the side of the street because I'm walking across on my little grotty bedsit that they put me in across the road from the gym. It started to rain and I looked at the car thinking... I'm looking at the bedsit, I'm looking at the car to disappear. I'm looking up thinking, Johnny you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're beating this guy up every day. Look at the life he's got. Look at the life you've chose. The only difference between you and him is he can do it in public. You've got to believe in yourself. Once you know you can do it, then it's your job to perform it. Your job to get out there and you've got to be able to mentally block out all the distractions, all the fear, all the naysayers and all the guys that are tapping you on the bike, saying you're great. You've got to block them out and think, I can do this. This is me. I'm good. And there's nothing wrong, unfortunately, especially in this country. But People are uncomfortable in embracing their special. I can do that. I'm good at that, because they don't want to be classed as being a big they don't want to be classed as being a show off, and so so once you self talk and say I can actually do that and you really can do it, then when you talk it, you know, then you have to back it up, you know, and, and then once you know you really can do it, once you know you're in a position to think I'm good at this, and that day I knew I was world championship material, because I've been beating the world champion up every day of the week. And I was getting paid hundred pounds a day as a sparring partner and staying in a great little bed sit I was there three months. Was that a defining moment? That was my that was my Eureka moment. And and I knew and I promised myself that day before I crossed the street in the rain, I stood there and I said, I will never lose again. And that's what I swore would never happen and I never lost again. Because I knew, I, knew I, I just understood my special. I knew what I was capable of doing. When did Brendan get involved then? Brendan was was from the beginning, from the very beginning. I walked into his gym at 14 years old. Um, and I can remember when I walked into the gym and Brendan said, come here, He sat by the ring, what's your name? And I was just about to say Johnny Allison went, stop. He said, face the wall. This was my first lesson. Now I look back on it, I realise it was my first lesson. Face the wall. Tell me about yourself. And I'm like, I thought he was taking a mic here. I said, what do you mean? He said, talk about yourself for two minutes and face the wall and ignore me. And I, I felt like he was mugging me off. And so I've stood there. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Johnny Nelson and uh, I've got seven brothers and, uh, and sister, one sister, six brothers, one sister. And, and you, when you realise and you're put in that position, you don't know what to say. And so, and that was the first thing he started to making me think on my feet. And he said, "Turn round." He said, "Right." He said, "What are you doing here?" He said, "Uh," "I said I want a box." And he said, "All right." He said, "What have you heard about me?" Now it's like I'd got Tourette's, man. It just fell out of my mouth. I said, "I heard you're a con man." And he started laughing, probably like the honesty. And he said, "And what do you think?" I said, "I want to find out for myself." he went good lad start doing the lines on the lines you've got to practice your footwork someone showed me yeah. to the footwork as time had gone on and I saw people come in the gym he did the same went through the same routine with them that was your initiation to think I want to see if I can mold this guy if this guy's moldable if, if he uses his brain and he's look, willing to look outside the box let's Lewis came in our gym he said it's Lennox Lewis like nah nah I'm, I'm not doing that Clinton once former light like heavyweight champion. He came in the, in the gym. He said, "Nah, you're mugging me off." Walked out of the gym. You know he did it to so, so many people. I'd be in the ring Clinton sparring, watching him, watching him, and I'd smiled to myself because I thought, like I know exactly what he's doing here." And most of them didn't do it. The ones that and I bumped into one or two of them that they said they realized what he was doing years down the line because they understand mental strength is everything, especially in high sport. But I, I, fortunately. Once I'd met Brendan, I was hooked. You know, I had someone that was paying attention to me. I had someone that was teaching me in a way that, that I needed to, to be taught. Teaching me. I love history. And, and, and I wasn't good at school. I had a reading and a handwriting ability of a 10-year-old when I left school. Uh, um, and, but Brendan talked to me. And he educated me in, in a way that I understand that is a must for some individuals. Some people are great with pen and paper. Some people are uh, uh, brilliant wordsmiths some people are very good at people that's me and, and I, I'm not ashamed of actually saying that I get people, I can read people, I get it I, I can read a crowd, when I go to do a talk I'll not have a script because you can always remember the truth you can't remember a lie you'll never remember a lie you can remember it so long but you'll always remember the truth so when I go in to do talks and motivational things to, to colleges and schools and businesses I don't have a script I'll look at the crowd and, and understand what, what the goal is of me being here and I will talk for an hour I could talk for longer I tell them to ask questions my job is about motivating themselves more empowering people to believe in their special and once you believe in your special whatever it is my job's done now Brendan did it with me and many many other people that 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 I don't know how he did it but, but it was a brilliant job Nas said to Brendan Prince and Seem Hamid we're all in the gym and Brent he said now nah, he said, Brendan, you're brainwashing us. And Brendan did what you did, he smiled, he went, Correct. I'm positively brainwashing you. And I was sat there thinking, <laughs> What? <laughs> the man's utter genius. There are no Brendan Ingalls left in this world now. The man's an utter genius. Um and I'm just I'm just I'm just a leaf on the tree that he created. Um and and I, I was very fortunate to come across him. What was it that he got you believing? He, he got you Believe thinking? Believe myself, yeah. yeah. He said, "If you, you will not come good until your confidence matches your ability. Because you don't think you're any good. You don't think you can do it. I wasn't a natural sportsman. I could listen. You tell me what to do, and I'd listen. I'd keep trying, and keep trying, it, keep trying it until I could do it. So I was probably a little bit stupidly stubborn. And I'd keep trying it. And I'd make all the mistakes and get all the flack, get all the stick, people saying you're no good, people laughing at you, and whatever, but I keep trying it, keep trying it, keep trying it, doggedly, and Brennan could see that. Remember, I had 13 amateur fights, I only won three.
0: Yeah, that's so average.
1: Yeah, that, that's, bad. that's worse than amateur, that's yeah. rubbish. So, so, I and Brennan said, I want to turn you professional, and everybody laughed in the gym. I don't know why, Brennan, said, you'll make a better professional than you will an amateur and it'll take time but if you listen to me you'll be world champion i didn't believe him i thought he called himself he always called himself publicly i'm a thick paddy he was not a thick paddy that was his words from from a place called ringsend in dublin you'd go in brendan's house house he had books upon books upon books upon books, and he was always, forever reading and writing, but you'd be out. Do you remember any of the books that he had? Uh, Marcus Aurelius, um, that was one of the standout ones. Genghis Khan. Right. Uh, all the boxing books in the world. Um, and he, he was always fascinated with, with, with true life, not fiction, because he, he, he understood people. And, and once he'd read about people that had succeeded and failed and, and being in, in trauma and being, in, in, being successful people then he understood there was a pattern amongst them all they're all human they all found a way they all kept that tenacity they kept going, kept dogging at it and Brendan, he then translated that, that transferred that to us You know, and, and that actually the ones that listened succeeded our, our gym, this little gym in Winkerbank on Newman Road produce five world champions, 12 British champions, eight European champions, nine Commonwealth champions in one gym. Brendan always said, if I produce one champion, people will say it's luck. you produce two, oh, right, you've got to at one. at But when you start producing three, four, five, six, seven, people think there's something he's doing that works. And that was Brendan. So that's why when you get coaches around now that you know you go to college or university come up with some letters after your name don't make you a good coach
0: well there's a book called the talent code by a gentleman called daniel coyle Mm. and he researched pockets of like what you said what did you say winkerfield gym or something winkerbank 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 gym
1: yeah
0: there's little pockets around the world where the the most unheard of places is producing world champion after world champion after Mm. world champion. They've got it in like, in Russia, it's like snowing Mm. half of the year and they've got one tennis court, Mm. it's rubbish, yet they're producing world champion Mm. after world champion. And Daniel Kohl went and and studied these areas and he studied the the mindset development of what the the head coach, Mm. in which case it was Brendan here, Mm. instilled
1: in all of the people. And how strong he made their minds. Yeah, I I will get I will credit him to the person I am today. I couldn't speak when I was at school. I'd speak to an adult, one of the teachers. I'd start crying. You know, you spoke to me hard. i talk, and they'd be like, "What's wrong, John?" I don't know. And Brendan, how he turned me around to be the person I am today. I credit him one thousand percent more than my mom, an amazing woman, more than my dad, um, and because he. He got it he just got it he got you know and, and he, even my, da- my dad told me brendan was a con man he said you don't want to go there because he didn't know any better but then when i met him he was just unorthodox his teachers were unorthodox how he spoke to you how he taught you in the gym so people class you him have as a, word with yourself against yeah, the wall yeah so 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 people class him as a con man because they couldn't fathom out what he was actually doing but if you stayed the course you, you, you reap the benefits, and the guys that have been in the gym and left halfway through, and then you see guys they used to beat up when they were in the gym become world champions. Cause I a lot of guys used to beat me up in the gym, so I had to go through it. And they look and thinking, how did you do that? How? I, I tell you a story about a guy called Peter Brown. He was my first professional fight, and I lost to him. Uh, roll on a few years later, I'm world champion. Uh, he was a bouncer on a door in Hull. And I went down there, I didn't know. I'm stood in the queue, it's raining right that side, me and the boys are there. One of the bouncers went, Come here, don't queue up. I, I never take liberties like that. So he said, Come and get your boys in. And so and so the boys, come on, lads, get we're in. And he said, Go and put us in the in VIP area. But but Peter was, I I know you he went, I know you did. And all these other all these bouncers that are working with him um there stood round him, stood next to him. So he's obviously been bragging the boasting, and saying I'd beat him. Yeah. Yeah at world champion, I'd beat him. And they don't believe him. So he said, Johnny, just tell him. Did me and you box? I went, Yeah. He said, what did you think? Uh, I, um he said, did I beat you? I said, yeah you did. So his mates are there thinking, yeah. oh my god, the other got security guards there. I said, Yeah he did. And I said, You were an amazing fight. You did really well. They said, I can't believe it. He said I said you were a nightmare. How could I could I couldn't handle you. And I'm bigging him up, making him feel like twenty men. And so he said, yeah, I told you, boys, I told you. Anyway, he said, anyway, see you in a bit, Johnny. Went and sat down, they gave him the champagne and went ended up happy. My friend said to me, Johnny, why did you do that? I said, do what? He said, because he was trying to like belittle you in front of his mates by saying that he beat you. I said, you know what? What's gonna happen is one of his mates are gonna say, if you were that good, why aren't you sat in there? And he's out here on the door. Why why want you why aren't you world champion? And if one of his mates don't ask him that time, he's gonna get home at night time and think about it and think, Damn, if only. So all those guys that beat me, that 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 were distracted by life, yeah. uh, that only got so far in life, then look at me and think it, it it it's it's better than me saying you know, trying to be in them. I'll just think, you know what? You have to learn yourself what's the difference then between winning a fight a one off yeah and becoming world champion the difference is persistence and desire if you win or lose win lose or draw you're going to learn from it you learn from the wins what what worked for you what didn't work for you you look at your mindset how it was you lose fights you look at your mindset what you did and and what you couldn't do and you've got to keep trying to fix the things that, that can't that, that that keep going wrong, which is why you lose. So when you keep going back and going back and putting yourself in that position, you're gonna learn eventually. You know, you're gonna think there's a way here. I will find a way. But you've gotta be arrogant and ignorant enough to ignore the naysayers, the ones that say, Johnny, you're a coward. Johnny, you can't fight. Johnny, you can't this Because once you start to listen to the negative, then that's half the battle actually getting the job done my dad he used to come to the fights in the amateurs where I kept losing and uh, then I turned professionally come then and he and every after each fight said Johnny why are you fighting you can't fight you're no good <laughs> what are you doing here why, why are you doing it and every time after the fight he'd, he'd be let like, like like down dad? oh my dad I love him he's, he's a straight-talking Dominican right and uh, it but he'd be honest you're not trying Johnny you, you don't want to fight come on I was a, a crybaby of our house so all my brothers and sister they all are surprised when I became world champion like you I'm still Johnny at home so, um, uh, and wh- so wh- where are you are you the youngest I'm the second to the youngest so um, so Brendan said to me put me to one side in the gym he said Johnny I'm going to ask you to do something it's going to be really hard I went what's that Bren? he said you can't bring your dad to the fights I'm like Brennan how can I tell him he can't come he said I don't know but as long as he keeps coming to the fight your development is never going to develop because because if he's telling you you're no good and he, he's your dad what chance have you got to, to, to believe in yourself how did you tell him I didn't tell him uh, what I did was when I boxed I didn't tell him I was fighting I think he found out, he found out then he found out in the paper you know there was little snippets in our local news no social media back then. you know no, and it wasn't <laughs> he found it in so he found it in the paper and I must have got away with about three fights Um and then he saw it in the paper and he said oh why didn't you tell me I said oh it was last-minute thing and so and I kept doing that and just to avoid so he, he kind of got the message without, yeah. me, uh, without me telling him Uh when I became champion then I told him I said come to the fight when you come to the fight because I, I I know when he last saw me live I was that cowardly kid that couldn't fight, that he kept telling afterwards. But when I became champion, he saw a boy turn into a man. He saw a zero turn into a hero. And it, so, and it, it, it baffles people that see such a transition. They think, how is that done? If I can do it, anybody can do it. And that's, that's what I believe. Because again, I wasn't gifted in anything. Uh, academically, physically, I wasn't gifted gifted now. I was my nickname at school was Bean Pole. Big head, size thirteen feet, skinny as a pole. You know, but but and I could create trouble in an empty room. I couldn't back it up. I love going to school just to see my mates. So I would there was nothing special about me. But my but 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 the obvious is if I can do it anybody can do it.
0: You said persistence desire, you've also alluded several times to Controlling the distractions Mm. and ignoring the naysayers.
1: Yeah. And 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 I know that works for me because I used to listen to the naysayers. I used to be distracted. I used to be that guy, which is why I kept losing. Because I'd be in the gym thinking, why am I always losing? Nobody else is winning. You know, why am I scared? Because I'd be listening to the naysayers saying Nelson's a coward. So I'm believing him I'm a coward, I'm scared. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm not like them. You know, all the guys that were in gym they were knocking people out when it comes to fighting, I am like, I'm not like them. And I just didn't understand. I wasn't scared, I was just nervous. But that same feeling you get inside when you're nervous, you'll you'll sweat, you'll you'll be think your mind will be racing, you'll go red, or 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 you'll just be fidgety. That is the same feeling. When, when, when it, that's nerves, as well as, as well as fear. So you've got to identify the two. And I kept saying, every time I'd go to a fight, I'd be thinking, why have I done this? Why didn't I pick golf? Why didn't I pick yeah. football? I'd be in the dressing room having a conversation with myself, thinking, you're back here again, Johnny. Terrified, I'm thinking. And, and I thought, well, you've come back, you idiot. So, and I kept going back, and then eventually, I started to believe myself, thinking, hold on a minute. These guys that I'm losing to, well, the amateur pedigree I had, which was zilch, um, uh, and once I turned professional, the guys I'm losing to, if I was them and I was that good, I'd knock people like me out, shouldn't last around, but I didn't get knocked out, I, I survived, I'd mess them about and they couldn't figure me out. So, so I'd, be, I'd be boxing, doing all the things in the gym, but, but without any belief. So when I started to believe in myself. One of the, the, the first times it actually dropped was when I boxed a guy called Ian Bullock in the amateurs. He battered me in the amateurs. I think I got disqualified. Turned professional, years had gone on. Ian won the British title. He lost it to a guy called Andy Stone. I boxed Andy Stone, who he lost to, and beat him, knocked him out in eight rounds. Ian still remembers that cowardly custard Johnny Nelson, who he boxed in balls over in front of all his mates that held on and ran and held. So he's thinking yes, yeah, and he was now my mandatory challenger to fight me. So he's thinking yes, I've got this. I have boxed this kid before. I know him. I know him. He's a coward. He's this. I that, know that, that. because he thinks that boy that he beat up is still the boy that's lucky luckily, be you know, become the British champion. And Brendan so clever. He came to the press conference for the fight to to announce the fight, and it was in his mining village. And so Brendan said, "I want you to put a shirt and tie on big long trench coat on look really smart and I want you to go by yourself I'm like what? because I remember this guy his fans abused me and everything when I got in the ring and everything they were laughing at me giving me so much stick I went by myself he went yeah I want you to go by yourself but make sure you look dapper and do not take any friends with you I'm not going with you I want you to go by yourself I went why Bren? he says because they'll be thinking I've got no faith in you because I've sent you by yourself you'll be by yourself you have You've got your friends with you so they'll be thinking you know, nobody's supporting him because he's that bad it's the first battle won without them even realising it when is got that why he's con man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I got to when I got to the uh, press conference I pulled up and all these mob are outside the, pre- the, the, the the place where the press conference was they stood there they're looking as if to say bloody hell he gone by himself go inside uh, somebody shouted out Nelson you know you're going to lose your trainers not even turned up who have you come with and I sat there I thought Brendan you genius and I went well I'm going to try my hardest you know I've won the British title I'm going to try and defend it Ian's a good fight. he's beaten before as we all know beat it. he batted you I'm getting abuse from him and I'm like alright and I came out remember I've got to get out of there alive because I'm. if I'm a cocky bugger in a mile in village big 6 foot 3 black guy he's going to get done over so um, I got I, I drove off and I chuckled to myself went to the gym and told Brendan what happened said right let's get on with it got on with training came to the fight itself no I knew I wasn't that boy that he fought fought. but in his head because he didn't respect me because he'd always had the better of me it was hard for him to respect me so I'm still that guy you know and he still sees that guy And, and it's the pyramid of life it happens in the gym so when it came to the fight it was packed out rammed to the rafters Ian came out, and just like he did last time, he's trying to put me under pressure, and I'm popping him, I'm popping him, I'm popping him. I knocked him out, and I mean like a cartoon knockout, slid him under the bottom rope, and he was out. His fans, like, they, they erupted, started fighting. I don't know who they were fighting, because they're mostly his fans. And we had to get out, we had to, had to get in the dressing room, the police were outside, we were in the dressing room for about two hours afterwards. He could never get over it. Funny thing was, years later, when he became world champion, um uh i met with hsbc he's one of the, he's one of the managers there and so he said he said uh when i came and he said uh i told everybody that you knocked me out i'm thinking before this you told everybody you beat me up but he has to learn his own lesson and and so it's very hard if you don't respect somebody to respect them so i always say respect everybody because everybody has a skill just not everybody knows what that skill is so you respect them then it's not hard for you to, to perform to the best of your ability to deal with them. And respect yourself. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm of course, okay. you've got to I, believe in yourself. I'm you've okay, got to be there. okay.
0: How many times did Brendan say to you, you're going to win when your confidence matches your ability?
1: Every time. Every time. Every day? Every uh, time you see him? He uh, told me before a fight, you know, a few weeks come to a fight, he said, when your confidence matches your ability... He said you will be unbeatable. And and
0: for everyone listening right now, yeah. does that same phrase exist for us all?
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Self belief. And how did your confidence creep up? Did it jump up or did it creep <laughs> no, up? No, no, it creeped up. It crept up because nobody believed in me. Everybody had lost faith in me because I'd lost fights and, you know, at the highest level, apart from Brendan. Brendan kept working on me and I thought, why? Why you still have belief in me? Why are you still sticking? Why? why? And he, and, he, and he saw something, a deter, stubborn determination, and the fact that I'd listen, you know, you you to you, tell me and I'd listen, I'd get it, eventually, but I wasn't the sharpest tool in the book, so, uh, uh, in the box, so what had happened is, Brendan, persistence, persistence, kept reading, telling me about old time fighters, Jack Johnson, 1918, you know, first Black Whale heavyweight champion. At the time, I'm thinking, why are you telling me about these people? What about me? talk to me about me, help me but I didn't actually realise he was talking about me and helping me but in a, such an unorthodox way that the penny didn't drop until it dropped and when it dropped I thought oh my god, Brendan you're a dream genius you know this guy he, 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 his, his teachings were were out of this world and that's why I say there are none of Brendan Ingalls left they, 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 they don't exist um, but I've learnt a lot from him and I'll never be Brendan, but his philosophy and the way he approaches things, people, subjects, whatever he's gotta do, I've learned that from him. I might not be as clever as him, I might not be as, as well read as him, but I learned, you know, I learned to think rather than to remember. When I go and do my um, um, work on Sky, I'll read my, well, we'll read our notes on All the Fighters, yeah. Just so you you factually have your your point your point in. Then that's it, it's in. So then I divide, then I can look at a fighter, translate what he's doing, what he isn't doing, and come up with my own opinion uh based on that and, the, and what I know about him. So so it looks like I've got, I'm rehearsing everything that, that that I'm reading. I'm not. I'm just picking out what stands out to me. I want to know how many fights he's had, how many how many knockouts he's had, how many fights he's won on points, how was he in amateur, how old is he? is he married? Has he got kids? Has he trained? Has he stuck with one trainer? I want to know all the things that you probably wouldn't ask. But once I've asked those questions, it gives me a better picture of the individual. And then if I've got a better picture of the individual, then I can translate... What this guy's doing in the ring, and what he's capable of doing, uh, and what he is what he isn't capable of doing, and and so and that's the skill that Brendan was genius at. But you, you sometimes you have to sit back, watch, and learn, and that's what I did with Brendan. Well, he instilled it in you over time,
0: didn't he? He just kept on on repeating, and I quite like your phrase, stubborn determination, mm. that you've got that. So Brendan, he died in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So. I've read the newspaper article, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: I've read it and the headlines. What impact did that have? On oh God, it's you? ruined me, absolutely ruined me. I actually thought years before I, I I used to struggle to talk about Brendan, but now I can do it because it it choked me up that much. <coughs> years before Brendan passed away, around the time when I was coming to retirement, I remember doing an interview. Tanya Arnold, she worked for Look North, and she came in and she said, "What would you miss most?" Out of the uh, when you retire and I burst into tears and she was like oh stop 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 and and I said Brendan and it, it was one of it crept up on me I'm like I'm not miss hitting the bag I'm not I miss I miss seeing Brendan every day listening to Brendan but I used to see his kids walk to his house think oh god I wish I was one of his kids it must be great because he's always talking to you teaching you stuff and and, and that's no disrespect to my mum or my, my dad but I just thought I just I thought they were very fortunate because this man he was a fountain of knowledge and so when Brendan passed away to me there was two deaths I struggled with my mom was in Brendan so when Brendan passed away when you lose somebody close to you it ages you and when you lose somebody close to you it makes you it will break you you'll never forget the pain the pain will always be there but you'll be able to deal with the pain uh, I, I look at and so then you look at how you're gonna deal with it. So now we're talking, I'm not blubbering, but I just, now I look at Brendan and I think, you know what? I was fortunate enough to meet Brendan. Everything I I learned from him, everything that the time he spent with me, the how he was with people, I was very fortunate enough. So it was a gift. That was my that was my gift. That was my wealth. You know, it was never about money. That was my wealth. Brendan was that when people said he was a con man. It, it makes me laugh now. Brennan was that, such a good man. I can remember I boxed, I was European champion. I'd not defended it for 13 months. I lived off my boxing money. So therefore, if I didn't fight, I didn't earn. So I was struggling now, I'm a European champion. So Brennan called me across at the house. He said, right, sit down, I counted out, 250 pound. He said, I'm gonna give you this every week until you fight again help me manage he said but if you tell anybody I've given it to you you've got to pay me all back I'm going to stop giving it to you this is self I'm thinking this guy ain't doing it for a clap on a bike and every week paid me 250 pound you know just why you know so I could survive and just do what I was doing Uh, and then eventually when I did box to give me his money back he went No, that's yours Johnny I thought if you have ever come across a selfless act... And remember, I still couldn't tell him... I'm telling the story now because he's passed away. Wait. I st- I couldn't tell any. I never told anybody. He said, if you tell anybody, I want it back. So I know he's not doing it for his own ego. He's doing it because he's a good person.
0: Nice though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and so, what, so when you come across somebody like that, somebody so inspiring... I think that's just the tip of the iceberg, the things he does. Somebody so inspiring and so misunderstood, you are... I was, Yeah, I was probably brainwashed, but in a positive way, and I'm so glad I was. I'm so glad this guy changed me from being a, a cowardly custard into a guy that's fully confident in, in what he can do. I'm always willing to learn, but I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of doing, um, but and I'm confident and comfortable saying that. Was he your second dad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, because... Remember, my mum my was uh, a Cuban born Jamaican. My dad, a Dominican. Uh, I think they met on the boat coming over 1963 years before I was born. I think it was 59, I think it was, when it came over the boat. Boat took two weeks to get over here. Um, and so the Jamaicans from the big West Indian island were on the top deck. All the small islanders like Dominica, Trinidad, and they were on the lower deck. So this is where uh, relationships were formed, friendships were formed and so so my my dad you know when you get here most west indians when they come to the uk then their idea was to come to the uk make some money and go back home after five years and and believe it or not they thought you could pick up gold on the street you know so they want to come back and make some money so you think to people why would you leave such a beautiful paradise island like jamaica to come to cold england you know this is holiday but you go on a holiday if it's life if you're living there you, you, there's no national health there's no social security you've got to survive so this is why they left it to, to, to do something with themselves and make some money and go back home to Jamaica because it's a beautiful place in Dominica but um, uh, but what happens is when they get into the rat race of life here and they realise it doesn't work like that because your money you earn you've got to live on you've not got money to save to build a house in Jamaica to go back you're actually stuck here. So they're too embarrassed to say, go back to the people and say, Look, I'm I did not make any money, I'm coming back cap in hand. So that's why most of them, West Indians, when they come, their intention is to come for five years, and then they, they realise I ain't gonna make the money I thought I was gonna make, and then they get stuck in that rat race. And and so my my dad, he he, he gambled, you know, he's always been at the casino. Um my mum was a grafter, proper grafter um she uh she was a first uh, a nurse uh at Jessop's Hospital in Sheffield and then she changed to an auxiliary nurse uh, uh the last probably 20 years 25 years of her life and um uh, at working working life and um so Brent so so my family they had they were too busy you know putting food on the table we were skint. We were proper skin. We didn't have money, and when I'm saying skin, there was a guy called Ken lived next door, and he had chickens, and it was Easter, and uh, Mum ordered a chicken off him for for our Sunday dinner for the chick for Easter, and he was going away. Mum had gone to work, Dad was out, and he came round with a live chicken. He'd not he'd forgotten. So he just brought the live chicken round and said, oh, give this your mum's order the chicken." So we're playing with this chicken in the house. It's feathered and shit everywhere, <laughs> right in the house. Mum came in from work. What the? So so we said Ken's dropped it off. So she went back round banging on the door to say, "You know, skin it, chop it up, and everything. I'm, I've got to cook this tonight." He'd gone away for the weekend. So now this this chicken we called we gave a name of Charlie that we were playing with in the house. Mum's got to kill it. She's got to chop it, and we're like, no, Mom, no. Took it downstairs into How the kitchen. old were you. I was probably eight, eight, nine. So we'd, we'd, we'd like these chickens, Charlie. So Mom's like, no, Mom. We're like, no, Mom, no. Tied a string around its leg in the kitchen, to the kitchen table. And Charlie's all over the place. And we're on the steps in the kitchen, because the kitchen was downstairs. We're on the steps watching, no, Mom, no. She put a bucket on his body, whop, chopped his head off. And he, he, Charlie was that, Charlie was that strong, stood up, he's running back with no head, blood's coming out, I'm like, no, I'm not going to eat that, You know, you're cruel, I hate you, all this sort of stuff, mum cooked the chicken, it smelled so nice, we scoffed it alright, but we were skinned, we didn't have money, when she worked at one of the hospitals, St. Joseph's Hospital, um, and there was a, it was like a, a an institute, mental institute, and, um, and so they'd and they'd bring toys and stuff like that in for, for these, these individuals in there. Mom, one Christmas came down, Christmas Day, got up Christmas Day, and nothing there, Mom's working, come down with a big black bag. Um, now, I know, she took this the toy, the old toys that they played with, wiped them down, and, and brought them for us as our Christmas present. So can you imagine having to go to school, and people saying, what do you get for Christmas? I'm like, I can remember that Christmas when I was asked by my friend Desmond, uh, I had I was I had a Boney M record, seven inch, uh, and a packet of playing cards, and uh, a packet of digestive biscuits. Our bath was a tin bath outside the backyard. When I tell my daughters, it's like, "How old are you, Dad?" We were skin. We had nothing.
0: Pack of playing cards is good though, isn't it? Yeah,
1: pack of playing. Yeah. What, what's your favourite game? Um, snap. Snap. <laughs> of course. Good old snap. Uh, but 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 I do I do think to myself that is part of the thing that probably has always driven me, because I'm always worried about being there again, and it's not about finance; it's about stability. I had a happy upbringing. To anybody else, you think, oh my god, really? You know. But I had a great upbringing. I thought our life was great and so so that's why I say my wealth is family you know I make sure me and my ex-wife we live next door to each other and we've got two kids together I've got an older child daughter uh, daughter called Jordan so and my kids you know as far as I'm concerned my kids are my wealth and their kids will be my more, more wealth you know that's that's my wealth it doesn't matter whams now now so I live in by myself my girls they 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 live in their own place I fill my cupboards with food like there's loads of us there because I know at any given moment they'll pop round dad you got something to eat my home's always gonna be their home you know and that's that that's my strength that's my wealth yeah. um, how old that, are the girls 31 27 and 25 uh, I've got a granddaughter. She's four years old. I've been on granddad duties all weekend. And she shattered me. It's
0: all girls. Yeah, all girls. All girls. So you were... You were there were six boys and, and yeah, one,
1: girl. Aunt, one sister yeah, growing yeah, up. Yeah. But remember, seven kids in my house to five different fathers. And so people from now on, think, oh, my God, that's terrible. But my brothers and sister and my brother and sister, my mum was a tough, no-nonsense kind of woman. And so... If she, she, if she met somebody and they start messing about, out you go. It's not about, right, giving this for maintenance. She'd out, gone. She wouldn't take any foolishness, is what she calls it. The man I call my dad isn't my dad. He was Oliver's dad, my youngest brother. But he's the guy that was there most of my life from being three years old. So he's my dad. And so, and I know it sounds really dysfunctional. I can remember Brent, telling Brendan about the family set up because he's from a family of 13 mom and dad is the mom and dad to everybody and when I told him he said are you alright? I went yeah Bren." I'm like wow what's the problem? But to me it wasn't it was normal you know that the fact that the, the we had so many different fathers we it didn't make it ever because we're brother and sister yeah and and that's how it was that's how it is and um, and to this day it, it's not it's a bigger deal to everybody else than it is to us we don't me and my sister look alike uh, my eldest brother is an albino, so he's got blonde hair, blue eyes, he's really? the same complexion as you. Uh, my, other two, bro- my t- other two older brothers, they're probably a little bit darker than you. Um, uh, so we don't look the same. When Brendan used to say, You're like a bag of licorice, all sorts, <laughs> laughing, uh, laughing and joking. But I thought my home life, even though we skinned, we had nothing, was the best. I was so stable to me, that did it for me. I loved it.
0: I like your phrase. It's not about the finance, it's about the stability. Yeah.
1: Stability is wealth. And, and uh, your listeners that are out there and you think, have I just had this, have I just had that? It's all right for him to say, money's not your wealth. I'm not a rich man. As long as I can pay my bills and, and put food on the table, you know, and it's hard for everybody. Uh, but that once I've got that, I don't care. If I haven't got five quid in my pocket, I don't care. Because to me, I just think I've got my wealth. That's my kids. And so, and I always say, just think about what makes you happy. And once you pinpoint what makes you happy, that's your wealth. Because no matter where you go, what you do, what you spend, nothing's gonna make you that happy. And that's what life is. You're here for a reason. You know, and that, it's not about chasing money. I read the the article in
0: The Sun, and with the heading that you'd never felt so low.
1: Yeah. And what was the lowest part of your career? um well before first it was of uh, my career first it was l- drew d- i drew for the world title for the wbc title a boy in a man's body that should never have been in the first place but the opportunity came i was in sheffield in front of my home crowd um where was it uh, Lodge? Uh, uh, it was at the city hall in sheffield right. and remember i'd become british champion and this young man now I still I, I, the penny's not dropped yet I don't believe myself I just didn't think I was good I thought they were bad so all the people I'd beaten up to that point even though, though I'd become British champion I didn't think I was good I just thought they were bad my thinking was upside down
0: He had the ability but not the confidence
1: yeah not the, I didn't I honestly just, I just thought I've just been lucky so now I'm getting in with this guy that's uh, from Puerto Rico he's a former world champion I'm beating I, think, I don't know how many fights he was unbeaten in I'm getting in the ring with him. Now my day of reckoning is coming. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna get turned I'm gonna get turned over here. Because this guy is actually good. I know he's good. Um and and when I've beaten the ones before, I've realised midway through the fight, he's actually not very good, he's he's bad. Not thinking Johnny you're a bad man. So when it came to the fight, I'd lost the fight long before I even got in the ring. And I can remember going into the city hall and looking from behind the curtain. And i saw like cast of emmerdale mm-hmm. coronation street linda Lusardi, people like that and i'm like oh my god these people have come to see me and so now my heart's going thinking jesus how can i get out of here i need to get out i need to get out of this fight somehow because i know i'm going to embarrass myself in front of them. because i can't fight they're going to see i can't fight i don't really talk myself out of the fight going to the ring Colostale, strong as an ox, slinging shots, slinging shots. He was strong but missing. I'm popping him, getting out of the way and popping him. This The fight stunk. It stunk. Because I was fighting a guy. I was surviving. And Drew. It, and Drew. And he was champion. So he... And, and the funny thing is I used to dream uh, a lot. And uh, I used to tell Brendan about the dream, the result of my fights. And... Uh, I said, Brent, I had a funny two days before the De Leon fight for the world title. I said, Brent, I had a dream. And he went, what was it? I said, I dreamt that um, I think I won because he had my hand up. But I looked across at my opponent and he was smiling. And, uh, and I can't understand why he'd be smiling if I won because he had my hand up. And there was a guy in the crowd in a pinstripe suit, bow tie on. And like, it was a white guy with an afro. I thought, you look a bit odd. And, um, and he was sticking two fingers up. And uh, this was the dream. So when Brennan, before Brennan's always said, don't tell anybody, he said, just stick at it, as long as you know you've won. So I thought, I've won this. When it came to the fight, and I stuck the place out, um, and it was a draw, the referee had my hand up, because of the draw, but he also had Leon's hand up, my opponent's hand up. So he was smiling, because that means he kept his title. That's why he was smiling. And, uh, and like the people are booing, I looked into the crowd, there's a guy with a pinstripe suit bow tie on afro rubbish what a load of shit and I'm looking thinking oh my god that's kind my a drunk. I used to dream a lot and, and it, I I don't You know, some people you can go down the spiritual line some people don't believe in that and I don't really discuss it a lot with people but I do believe you know we're here for a reason I do believe that we don't use most of the senses, skills and gifts uh, that we're born with Uh and but I do believe in it uh, I do believe that they were my dreams and I saw what I saw how can you explain that so there's got to be a higher power there's got to be something that that um, what changed that after that us. though in your mind what changed after that was the, the low because the, the, the response from everybody after that was horrendous and I don't mean, I didn't have just one or two people saying Johnny Nelson's garbage. I mean, nationwide, in all the boxing magazines and newspapers, Johnny Nelson absolutely ruined me. Coward. I wouldn't put him on my show. He's disgusting. This can't fight. He's got no card. And if you're seeing that constantly, it's going to do you anything. You're going to think, and you're going to believe it. You're going to be paranoid about everybody and anybody. I remember going out one evening with my my girlfriend. What was the worst thoughts that you had? Uh, the lowest thought was I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be around. That was my lowest thought. You I
0: mean, d- as in, don't want to be here anymore? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That that was a lot, because... It says that in the paper. Yeah, because... I, people were that wicked. And I actually thought, because naive Johnny, <coughs> I actually thought, how can people be so cruel? I just didn't get it. They were cruel. And so now, I understand. When I see someone in a newspaper or a magazine, I just think... You're talking about someone's son mother father you know it's bad and so so i think it was the realization of how bad human nature it can be and that i thought i don't want this that was a hard bit.
0: you rose above it not easy I, I i did an interview with a eight-time world champion yeah Muay thai kickboxer called liam harrison and uh he's from over the northwest And he actually says, he said a couple of things on there that I just remember forever, and you'll you'll have heard this several times. And he says, if you want to be successful, you've got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. I've heard it so many times. Yeah, he said it. So true. He he said those four words. If you cannot accept those four words, you cannot be successful. Now the second thing. That he did share on this was to do with what you're getting emotional about right now and he said the critics
1: hmm.
0: and he's, he's got something like uh, five million followers on on instagram or something like that so there's a, lo- a lot of followers he's got a lot of crit- critics yeah and he said the critics the fire never comes from above it's always from below yeah you're always above it
1: and, and that's and, and i now because i've learned the lesson I take success I take the the cheers and the bulls exactly how
0: the same. long after that six years what, was it six years yeah
1: six years whoa how did uh, you get the strength years. for six years then because Brendan then had to think outside the box and Brendan said if you want to do this you want to be successful you've got to believe in yourself because nobody else does I do so he sent me away as a sparring partner time I, t- I spent six years in 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 Germany, France, um Italy, uh South Africa, uh Denmark as a sparring partner. And, and when you go as a sparring partner, you treated like a piece of meat. <laughs> they don't respect you. You get you you I can remember my first sparring job was with a, with a guy called Alex Blanchard in Denmark and uh, they put me in a it was a hotel. Fortunately, I thought that's what life was going to be like. But I couldn't eat eat in the restaurant. I had to use the service lifts to get down to the kitchen and eat with with everybody in the kitchen. Um, they pick me up. Nobody talked to me. You know, pick me up, kept take me to the gym. Right, six rounds. I do that. I say, you're gone. They don't care. They don't care. The food they they give you. Right. The food is terrible. They don't care. You're just there to sharpen them up. Now I did this for six years in in a place called Frankfurt Order in Germany on the border of Poland, and at the time they used to drive those little yellow Travant cars. This they had; it was like wee wee, It was it was just back in the dark ages. And they said to me, "Don't come out at night time, because you'll get attacked." And I'm like, "There's no people that look like you here. Don't come out at night time." Uh, Eastern Europe was bad for that, um, and so, but I'd be there for ages, and I thought, I can't just sit in every night. I went out for a walk one night, and this this car went past. I could see all these skinheads in the car, and as it went drove past me, it was I was just like because I was bored, I couldn't sleep. As it drove past me, it stopped in up the road in the middle of the road. But there's no lights or anything. It just stopped and the engine's running. I'm walking up that direction. And I thought, that's for me. That just turned my round, went straight back to 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 the uh, to the bed sit that I was staying in, and I just saw. But that's where I learned because what happens is, especially when you got to go there, they'll give you a ticket for three months, a flight ticket. You fly out there, so your turn is on a certain date after three months. Someone will pick you up at Berlin Airport, drive you all the way down to East Germany, Frankfurt, order, and drop you off, leave you there. If you wanted out, and you got paid after you'd finished, so if you wanted out, you had to make your own way back, and when you had to make your own way back, you had to. Um, um, uh, and you wouldn't get paid because like you not lasted, so you had to kind of do a runner. the amount of Americans I used to see come, and and do, leave without getting paid, and you're getting battered every day. You're not just met, like in sparring, you'd they'd be like a gentleman's cold, you'd hurt mm. him, you'd, you'd like oh you're all right, okay carry on. There they battered you, and I saw people get hammered, and I thought you are never gonna do that for me in a million years, never in a million years, and I. I can remember getting put down once in sparring, that was in Denmark, when I got to Germany with the elite, because these guys were the Olympic elite that turned professionals. They were like the gods of Germany. Um, I was sparring with them. I learned so much about discipline. I learned so much about self, self-belief self because when you're in that dirty little bed, sit by yourself and you're doubting yourself, you want to go home, you're homesick, you're by yourself, you've got to decide if you want it enough. And at those times, I knew I wanted it enough, because each time I, I, I went, they say say, we well, want you back again. I did it for six years on and off, and they, they couldn't understand why I kept coming back to that dump. I kept coming back to the dump, because number one, I wasn't qualified to do anything else, apart from stand on the door of a club. So I've got to earn money. Number two, I thought, if I don't get over this, it's going to affect every aspect of my life, because I'm going to think I'm a coward it's going to affect relationships it's going to affect professional relationships you know so I knew I had to do this for me so now all of a sudden the critics that that had so much influence over me you know they were I, I hated them and so even those critics that give me a hard time and and when I start to win tap me on back saying well done you're brilliant you know, I'm thinking I could easily say you know what you said this this yeah. this but I don't and I, and I, and I leave it so when you've got the critics there, I say to people, if you are a, a sportsman or a woman, and, and now with social media, they can be ruthless. Everybody's like the professional, everybody's the best athlete in the world on, when it comes to being the keyboard warrior. I call them armchair champions. They sit there, I should have done this, yeah. shouldn't have done that. I say to sportsmen and women, the problem isn't them, the problem's you. Because if you know you're getting up at a ridiculous time in the morning, you're training like mad and you're dieting and you're committing all these things, and you can make somebody write something about you, negative about you, and you believe them, you're the idiot. And that's and, and to me, that's where I was at. So when people say great things about me, I just they thank you. That voice in my head saying, Johnny, don't get sucked it in. When the people said bad things about me, I said, All oh, right, fair enough. you're entitled to your opinion. I didn't care. Six years in Germany gave me that mental strength and belief that Brendan sent me there for to believe in myself. And once I believed in myself, I knew I would never be beaten again. I knew.
0: Well, that bedsit, that's where you started today, isn't it? You said you came out there, you saw the limo. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest yeah. is history. How many years as world champion?
1: Seven, I think just in the seven years
0: 98 90, ni- uh, 1993
1: 90. to, uh, 1999 to
0: 1996 2006 2006 yeah that's right yeah um, why did you never quit during that period of six years because most people would have quit
1: yeah um, Brendan because he was it was home the gym was home is it uh,
0: because you needed it for money and it was survival
1: no, no uh, the money came in handy but it was my stability that was my happy place
0: how right, you're you've been quite vocal in saying that Usyk's a quitter, right? Yeah. Or he's got a quit in him,
1: yeah, got a quit in him.
0: That's your phrase, yeah.
1: And people, how uh, can you tell if someone's a quitter? People are appalled at me saying that because all on Usyk's, you know, the, 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 the rise and the success he's had. they yeah. think, oh, Nelson, you're an idiot. How can you say that? And and I and I can say by this when you get in, in a fight. When I, when I used to box Chris Eubank gave me the, the, the advice best bit of advice he gave me he said always wear two protectors he, was, he said Johnny always wear two protectors because when you're going there it's war so forget about the referee forget about the rules it's war so what? He, so he wants to do everything possible to damage you it's war he said wear two protectors and when and, and, and if anybody does anything untowards you're not going to say oh that's not fair telling ref you're gonna get stuck in because you're focused on him. You're not distracted by anything. I always wore two protectors, and I can and I knew, understood what he meant. I was boxing a guy called Edris Sellers. Whack me in the middle stump. I just carried on. He's like, so because what happens in a fight if you hit someone in the middle stump on the blind side of referee, you make some gunshots. So every time you're gonna yeah. throw a shotgun, you're like, yeah, you know. And I was like proper soldier, proper on it, thinking no, you ain't breaking me. So so to me I didn't quit because it wasn't about the money it was now about me because I saw how cruel people could be and so from that I thought this is for me Got it. it's not for anybody else it's for me for my mental health my mental strength my mental being and for the rest of my life because I know if I quit then I'd be a quitter for the rest of my life how can you spot quitting in others then? How do you say So Usyk it? So Usyk Usy, when he when he boxed um Daniel Dubois. Uh, Daniel Dubois hit him borderline. Yeah. It wasn't low. I've been hit, I've been hit low. Always wear low. two protectors. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember that, yeah, I mean. Yeah. So it wasn't low. He got hit borderline. And when he got hit borderline, his instinct, knees bent, dropped, oh and, and, yeah. he, and he stayed down. Then he played the game. He like laid down. Oh referee, right. I'm hurt, I'm hurt now in boxing you can do that in football you can roll about as though you've been damaged and then once you get yep. your yellow card you can get up and I'm alright now you don't do that in boxing you don't people don't respect that in boxing because boxing is the, the only sport where you can get legally get killed so when he was sick when he was sick went down his first reaction wasn't to think about it and go down his knees went and dropped down so instinctively he was like oh I don't want to it was fight or flight instinctively it was flight and he went down and then when he was down he's thinking right. I've got away with this and oh bought himself some time he had the mental strength to pull himself back to think right I've got to get myself back in order and get rid of Daniel Dubois but that reaction there told me he had quitting him just that little itch there Got it. he had quitting him
0: alright I've got some quick questions for you here yep Tony Bellew he's done well in in the jungle hasn't yeah, it? he did has, you yeah. think
1: he'd do that well
0: uh, he's been I d- very if, popular if hasn't he I'm honest
1: with you I know Tony and Tony's a very serious guy. And uh, and I thought this is either going to be good or bad for him. Yeah. Um, because, because there's, a, there's either going to be a side to him that comes without people think I don't like him. Or he'll be Mr. Charming. And Tony was like, he was good. He was all right. I, I got asked to do that show. Well, I got interviewed at ITV, the headquarters, to do the show a few good few years ago. And I went into the uh, room, it was me, the agent, the, this woman with a double barrel name, really posh she was, and and they, somebody from ITV, and they're asking me about the show. And they said, do you watch your show? I was, yeah, yeah, watch it. When was the last time you watched it? We won last year? I'm like, Peter Andre and uh, <laughs> Kate Price. And she started laughing, she went, Johnny, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I went, oh, damn. Yeah. So she said, what do you know about the show? I said, I know what the show is. So she says, um, what are you scared of? We're in an interview, like, sat around the table, like, it's just a conversation, I went, do you think I'm going to tell you that? Why would I tell you that? So she said, no, no, I said, if I tell you that, and I get in, you're going to do all the things I've told you about to put me in a situation. She went, no, no, Johnny, it's not like that. It's not like yes. that. It's a family show now. We don't do that. I don't know. I said, I'll tell you. But if I tell you, I, I trust me, if I'm in that situation, we'll starve. And so she, I'm a black guy, I love rice, so I'll eat rice all, mm. all week. So she started laughing and she, oh no, no. So so if your campmate's dependent on it, I said, I won't do it. She said, what is it? I said, I don't do confined spaces like a coffin and cold dark water. I don't, don't I, I'm a big guy I of panic. I've, I've been in situations, I'm like, yeah. I ain't doing it. So so she laughed away and we talked about loads of stuff and talking about right when you go out, you're back for four weeks, you'll do this, 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 and this. And so they give me all the logistics and everything. And when we came out, the agent said, Johnny, what she just told you there, they don't tell you that until um, until the next uh, uh, interview and they come and say, right, you've been picked. And I went, all right. Anyway, we're in the car leaving. About half an hour later, um, um, uh, his phone rang and said, Johnny's been sent to, I think it was commission. And uh, and he was trying to keep calls. He went, okay, no problem, I'm a, I'll let him know and uh, we'll get the details sent through, put the phone on. He went, Johnny, you've been sent to commission. I think it was commission. And what's that? It means you're the first name in, you're in. I'm like, you're joking. Now I'm rubbish at keeping secrets. I'm like, I can't not say nothing. <laughs> so, um, so I'm trying my hardest to keep stone. And it was a year when Ian Wright did it. Yeah. And so at the time, so now I've gone to, uh, I've gone, I've, I'm, I'm, my name's in the in the hat as one of the front runners to do it. And Ian Wright, so you've got the demographic of, a demographic of two black guys about the same age. So they want to reach demo. and Ian Wright's got a massive following. Yes. Uh, but he was after big money and they were offering it him. And so if he'd have said no, um, then Johnny, you're in. He said, yeah. Um, and... Um, and so I wasn't in and like, said, now we've, we've got Ian on have they asked you again and so I thought and then and then a couple of years after that it was lockdown where they did it in the castle I thought I hope they don't ask me again because I ain't doing it um, and they did not ask me again they did not ask me again but it was funny it was alright so when Tony did that I thought Tony it, it, his path in life is not just boxing acting you know going in the Creed film he's 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 a family man, he's um, a good pundit, Um, he's a character, Uh, and I look and I think, I think there's a Latin saying, enjoy the success of others. And I love seeing that. I love seeing, I'm thinking, well done tell. He has done well.
0: He was very popular in that. Yeah, I mean, look, the, (laughs) the gloves are off, you know, I've watched a number of them, and you know, the Groves and Froch, one, you know, yeah. where they're pulling each other's <laughs> arms. Does it ever get tense behind the scenes? Yeah, like ri- so.
1: So, Groves and Frocks were, were the first one that I thought, oh my god, because it wasn't to script, man. Like, so basically, you. Both- I mean, you play an amazing yeah. part in that, in yeah, So yeah. basically, both fighters will come in, and they'll be in a green room, separate green rooms, and and they're fighting each other so when you're going to fight another fighter you, you, he's all you think about dream about you hate him or you, you know you've got to build up that animosity the animosity to fight the way you've got to fight so these guys have kept him apart George Groves was genius at winding Carl Frotch up you know he, he'd give it that geek appearance and just keep saying stuff that just undermined yeah. him and call, kept calling him Frotch and, and Carl's got an ego you know because he's done it all he's like I'm not fighting this kid but so the first time before uh, George uh, George put him down the referee stopped it George said the referee should have stopped it Carl, you know, he, he got dragged into to George's to hating George because if I can get you to hate me you're going to forget all the things you're trying yeah. to do in the gym you're just going want to kill me so that's when you're going to make mistakes and that's where Carl was um, and and so now Carl's been to, to he got went to see a sports psychologist you know, to manage his anger manage his frustration now he translates things and so George was trying his hardest to wind Carl up all the way through and I'm watching and I'm watching, watching Carl, and Carl's like he's leaning back and going forward. You can see he's having the argument with himself. Does Carl kick out or do I go through the things that I've been working on? It came to the end, I said, We're gonna get a handshake, boys. And George stood up and yeah, yeah, I'll give you a handshake. George got his hand. I could see George and so Carl sat down, but still sat down, reached up and George you want that final squeezed his hand. Was squeezing his hand, and then Carl, Carl Carl's from public health, he, he he was brought up in pubs, so he knows how to deal with all shapes and sizes. So when he his humour's very dry, uh, and people don't get him. He's my favourite. So Carl, when he see George is trying to get one over him, and squeezing his hand, as he stood above him, you know that's like an impression you want. He wants he wants Carl to see this man stood above him having the squeeze squeezing his hand. Carl went, "Oi, pulled, pulled him down because all of us pushing a pull. What we saying?" so so George didn't expect that and he looked at me to say, tell him he, he can't do that and Carl was so cool so up to that point you know the first time they fought and they got together George had his number the second time Carl understood he had to get that calm get that understanding get that focus and think right this is my job I've got to get rid of this guy and do a professional job so when you're focused on what you know you're capable of doing everything's achievable I think the maybe the next one was worse than that was probably Anthony Joshua against Gerald Miller. The fight never took place, uh, but the stuff that was being said was bad. It's entertaining though, I'll give you that. It was bad, and I mean bad. And then after that, um, Dylan White and Derek Shazora when they started fighting. And I mean, Derek. I like both guys. And initially, I didn't like both guys because I thought, boys, come on, but... They remind me of one of my brothers, you know, they just they wear the heart on the sleeve, yeah. no nonsense. So I like both guys. Now, uh, whereas Derek was winding up um um Dylan and Dylan was like coming back and then Derek threw the glass across the table and that's where we cut. That's where we caught. The cameraman, good on him, Scott. He's got a yeah. camera. <laughs> Big rugby fella rubby looking fella. You know, so these so then he threw the glass at him, and then we cut. Derek jumped across the table and bit Dylan on the chest. If you hear a man screaming pain, ah Dylan's screaming and on the floor, there's water all over the floor. Everybody's panicking now. So they're trying to pull ankles, one ankle there, one ankle there, trying to separate them both. The security guy was actually a doorman <coughs> Um we're in the studio now. It's got its glass door. He shut the door with us all in, and I'm like, "Open the door!" I'm trying to contain it, Gabe I'm thinking, "Open the door," because people are panicking and screaming, "Oh my god!" Mm. You can hear the director in my ear. People are now panicking because these two big units are proper at it. You're trying to separate them, so eventually we separated Dylan, got him out. He was fuming. He was absolutely fuming, and Derek's like laughing with his like. <laughs> got it it just stuff happened where where the police were almost involved and it got to a point where they were considering not doing it really doing it again uh, but I think now what they do is they say when fighters come they can come with a manager they can't come with their entourage because Dylan had an entourage Derek had an entourage do you enjoy just,
0: working for Sky Sports I
1: love it it's not a job it's not I'm getting a, I'm, 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 I'm getting paid to talk about something
0: how does Sky Sports treat you? good be like, to
1: me, honestly just like i'm I, I always keep thinking i'm gonna get a tap on the shoulder saying right games up we've you out you get but it's been good it's been it, it's and i've been there probably nearly 20 years now i think really and
0: um well, there's no tap on the shoulder <laughs> covered <there>? <laughs> yeah. years.
1: and uh and i actually i've had fun i've enjoyed it um the 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 work ethic now, especially what they do down at Sky, uh, they want to encourage all shapes and sizes, creeds and colours to 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 get into the to media, not just in front of the camera, behind the camera, be editors, be directors. They encourage it. Uh, they get schools to come in to 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 and they, they show them like a studio and let them see how it works. They're doing so much stuff in the community, and people don't actually realise it because in in doing that, I think. I think they've got indoctrinate themselves into people's homes to say we're actually we're actually for you Mm. we're here for you Um, it's an amazing place and believe it or not I think boxing is probably five percent of Sky's income so they don't have to do it but they do and um, uh, to me it's like it's a a great job
0: who'd win then AJ and Ghanu?
1: AJ, AJ beats Nganu, Nganu uh, unfortunately for him everybody knows who he is now knows what he's capable of doing knows he's got cool pause strength um, and and Tyson Fury let people see that because he underestimated Garner like we all did yeah so what Tyson Fury went in there thinking it'd be easy this and Garner stood there strong as a nose, put, him, put, put him under pressure uh, now we saw that everybody knows what he's capable of doing it's like Andy Ruiz who beat Anthony Joshua yeah. he's had probably two fights since he boxed Anthony Joshua Now everybody knows what he's about. Fast and he's dangerous. Doesn't look like a little fat Mexican. This guy can fight. And Garnu now, everybody knows what he's about. So they know if they get in the ring with him, they've got to be fit and they've got to be on it. And they'll be able to outbox it. I expect Anthony Joshua to beat him with ease.
0: Who'd win? Fury. Usyk.
1: Now, I've always said Fury beats Usyk until the last fight. Until the last fight. uh, Fury's last fight and Fury said he had an amazing training camp went really well I know he didn't so I said well if you want me to believe that you know when I'm asked a question that means your legs have gone because if you train to the best of your ability and a guy that's had no professional fights did, you, did that to you that the best fight in the world it means time has caught up on you your legs have gone your desires have yeah. gone it's all gone so I believe Tyson Fury underestimated him so I don't believe he had a, he, he trained to the best of his ability because I, I know people in the camp and I know what was going on around that time. I know if Tyson Fury boxed him again, he'd beat him Garno a lot, lot easier. But if it's true, I think Ole Xander Usyk beats Tyson Fury. He shouldn't do. I think Tyson Fury is unorthodox. He's, he's big, he's strong. He's a lot faster than what what he looks. And uh Xander Usyk's a good fighter, a very good fighter. Uh, but so is Tyson Fury. I think Alexander Usyk's smoother than um, than Tyson, but Tyson, the bigger fighter that can do more or less the same, I'd, I'd side with Tyson Fury.
0: Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua?
1: Now I'd say Tyson Fury. Now I'd say Tyson. At one point, I said Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua was on the rise. I think Anthony Joshua was scarred by by defeat, and so he, he, he overthinks far too much in the ring. And so in doing that, you've got to be on it. You've got to go in the ring totally believing yourself. And he knows what he's capable of doing. Um, but he just seems to to overthink it far too much. So now I'd say Tyson Fury, but he wasn't that previously.
0: If you could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose?
1: Wow, one day in someone else's life. <laughs> um, I would choose somebody like, that's a good shout that is. I would choose somebody like Barack Obama because he knows all the secrets. And and he's met all the people. <laughs> yeah. He knows all the secrets yeah, of secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's seen it and he and, and I think remember he took on a poison chalice when he became the president of, of the USA and people forget that. Uh uh he seems so clever, uh uh so intuitive. How he won the election, he used social media massively. Um I think uh, he's, a, he's a he's a married man that 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 stands strong respects his wife wife loved his wife um and i i just admire him i just think god i'd love to talk to you i'd love to hear what you've got to say i'd love to see you know for you to tell me your story not when everybody's there tell me the real story tell me how Congress was with you when you were in a position where in in a titular position before you know you had to leave your presidency um tell me what it was like you know what you came up against coming up against it um, so there's so many things I'd like to ask him I'd like to know
0: what's the first thing the listeners should do for two areas one to increase the motivation mm. and two to get more... what's the first discipline they should get having listened to this so A to increase motivation and then what's the first discipline you've
1: got to decide you want it enough that's the first thing and if you say to yourself I want that enough I want it more than anything now we're in a good place
0: then what's the then first discipline
1: it. and then you've got to create a path of how it's achievable and what needs to be done and you've got to understand what your role in that is your role in that is mental strength mental discipline mental desire uh, and and because I'm not just talking about sportsmen and women I'm talking about talking about anybody you've got to decide what you want and if you want it enough and you do the work Expect the results and you might not get the results the first time the second time or the third time But you will get the results if you're sat there amongst your peers that have done studied and done exactly the same thing as you And you're all going for a job Why would you pick one over the other over you? Your character is what it'll be so if you've got all the same qualification and you're going in there for an interview You want it to be you so your character it's got to stand out your character's got to be part of you you've got to own your stuff so you've got to show i believe in myself because once you believe in that you that you you ex- that you exude that vibe that energy and people think i like that that works for me and i don't mean be arrogant i mean own who you are own your special Believe in yourself you know and, and be be willing to listen be uh, uh, be willing to, to to learn but be willing to say i can do this It's what i can do this is what i'm capable of doing now once the first person you've got to convince is you, and once you believe it, the rest is actually easier than actually convincing everybody else, even though it seems not.
0: You know my favorite bit has been today actually I like the I liked it when you said it's not about the finance, it's about stability and yeah. then and then you told the story of the you know you don't know when the girls are going to come home there's always food in the cupboard ready for when they come home so I hope they listen to this and come round and get some they call my house Morrison's they come in dad I'm having that I'm like yo (laughs) but (coughs) my my favourite bit was that six years that you went through after the the worst you know the lowest of low you were sparring yeah and you continued you persevered and you're a great man
1: that's why when I say to people you've got to want it enough those six years, Tom I can tell I can show you what's how it is to succeed. I can't tell you how to do it, but I can say, listen, this is this is where you need this I can tell you what you need to be. Success, if I keep saying if I can do it, anybody can do it. And you're thinking, no, no, you're naturally gifted. No, I wasn't naturally gifted. As a coward, apparently. You know, I, I can't play football
0: I was shy I was nervous I didn't have the confidence
1: my confidence didn't match my ability yeah. I went through all of them losses yeah. early on so, 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 so that Johnny when I look at that guy on TV in those early fights I'm sat there because I know what he's thinking and I know what I know now I want to reach in the TV and slap him come on Johnny no but I then think to myself well you had to go through that journey to become the person you are today because what if i had a box for the wbc title when i drew and won what would i have learned from that i'd have probably lost it in the first or second defense because i was a yeah. boy in a man's body so 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 what happened for that 6 years even though it was the was the lowest point was the best point in hindsight but at the time i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and that i just think i keep saying to people believe in yourself once you know you can achieve, it doesn't matter if nobody else believes it. And trust me, you, you'll get your, your cousins, your mother, your brother, your sister, everybody saying you can't do it. it. They're not being mean, they just don't see what you see. And so when you achieve it, it's like, oh my God, look at what I Johnny did, unbelievable. So, so they're not being negative. So don't take it personal. Shut the noise out, shut it out, as long as you know what you've got to achieve what's been your favourite bit of this conversation um, talking about Brendan Brendan Ingle um, we all need a Brendan and, and Brendan can come in all shapes and sizes a brother
0: we all need a Brendan mother, a mother are, are you now Brendan for other people
1: probably probably
0: you um, are on this you are on this this podcast right now
1: yeah probably and listen if I've helped to inspire anybody on this podcast my job's done. I think the one thing that stands out is: don't mistake nerves for fear. Get that in your head, and that. But someone is going to think, oh my "God, that's me." Many people think that. Don't mistake nerves for fear.
0: Johnny Nelson, thank you very much. Hey there, James here with an exciting announcement. The BizX Awards is coming to the ACC Liverpool from the 18th to the 19th of April with an incredible lineup of speakers. You're going to meet the likes of Stephen Mulher, Donald Miller, Deborah Meaden, and many, many more. Book your spot right now at thebizx.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed listening to the Business x podcast, make sure to comment your top learnings and favorite moments as well as like and subscribe. See you next time.